This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Faroz and I'm joined by Kate Andrews and Katie Balls. The IMF report was released overnight and there have been some gloomy forecasts for the UK. It's looking like the UK is predicted to have the worst economic forecast of any G7 country this year. Kate, how worried should we be? The IMF's World Economic Outlook update is not particularly cheery. It shows global growth taking a downturn this year. And for the UK in particular, it's it's pretty grim. Uh, it suggests that out of the major economies, the UK will be the only one with an overall economic contraction of 0.6%. Uh, the next country up the scale, Germany, is expected to grow at 0.1%. Look, I, I take all forecasts with a pinch of salt, as we should. And, you know, it's really difficult to do economic forecasting. It's useful, but it's difficult. You know, very often it's not going to be correct. The question is, how close can you get um, to correct figures? I take a much bigger pinch of salt with the IMF because, first and foremost, this is an institution that has a bad track record when it comes to predictions. It was suggesting after Brexit that the UK was going to go into you know quite a serious recession. That never materialized. And also there's an element of hypocrisy that's being pointed out today with the IMF. Last autumn, after the mini-budget, the IMF did quite a remarkable intervention saying that it was closely monitoring recent economic developments and was encouraging the UK government not to bring in fiscal loosening, not to bring in tax cuts for the rich. Now, if you look at the details of today's update, it's saying that it's downgraded UK forecast because it's fis- it's doing fiscal tightening. And, you know, people are saying, well, you know, which one is it, IMF? Which one's going to make you happy? I think you can also suggest that perhaps the IMS data is slightly out of date. They're also pointing to higher energy costs as one of the reasons they think the UK is going to take this hit. Energy costs have, have been heading in the right direction downwards for quite some time now. So look, it is not new. It is not in any way controversial to say that the UK is going to take a hit this year. Every major institution, the Bank of England, the CBI, the Office for Budget Responsibility is predicting some kind of contraction. But the very limited data we have from the end of last year is so far showing that growth figures were slightly better than expected. I wouldn't put my money for or against the UK, you know, being at the bottom of of the G7. It may well be, but I don't think there's any guarantee. And if it really is higher energy costs that the IMF think are, are driving a, a recession in the UK, I don't understand how Germany, Italy, France wouldn't be heavily impacted by that as well. So the idea that the UK will be an outlier over the course of the year, I think, is very much up for debate. Katie, Liz Truss was ambushed at her door this morning by journalists with some people asking if she was to blame for the IMF reports. Then again, it's also reignited the Brexit debate. For Jeremy Hunt, what can he be doing to reassure the public that the government is on the right track? So we had the spring budget, of course, coming up in March and we had the speech on Friday, which is, I think, Jeremy Hunt trying to say, we do have a plan here. And also saying to parts of his party... There is a plan for economic growth, but it will not involve all the suggestions you currently have, particularly tax cuts now. And I think there is a big effort at the moment to try and 
lower expectations within the Tory party and I suppose in some parts of business as well about what the spring budget is going to bring. We know that Rishi Sunak said in his five priorities that economic growth is one of those but I think when you speak to various Tory MPs and including some ministers actually they would say well who isn't for growth? I mean, you hear Labour talk about growth all the time as well. But the pace by which and the means by which you go about it is what, what's really for debate. So just saying you prioritise it does not really deal with the problem. And and then you see papers such as the Daily Mail at the moment splashing quite a lot on, you know, cutting taxes. Um, I think that's just causing a sense of dread within the Treasury and a big effort by the Treasury in response to play down things. And I wonder in the IMF, I mean, I think it's clearly, when you look at that chart, <laughs> and it's just all positive, and then just the UK in the negative, it doesn't instill great confidence about the country's prospects. It's a then, good graph on Labour. But then I also wondered um, whether given the Treasury and figures in government at the moment are trying to paint a very negative picture of the economy to, to try and say to, for example, the Conservative growth group and others, you might say there's headwind here to do something, but there, there's not really. I wonder if it will uh, play into the argument, which is just the economy is still in a really fragile place the next budget is not going to be where you see mass action um, and actually we need to hold firm and, and I think it, it could form part of that narrative. Kate do you think given the IMF forecasts that have just been released this will change Jeremy Hunt's track? I think it's very unlikely uh, Jeremy Hunt's going to be focused on the Office for Budget Responsibility and what their latest round of forecasts is going to suggest for his spring budget the IMF is not going to feature heavily and look um, you know, Katie's completely right that they're they're trying to keep expectations in line, that they're talking down the idea of any kind of major tax cut. But I think there is very quiet brewing optimism that the next round of growth forecasts from the Office for Budget Responsibility are going to be much better than they were last year, that they feel like they have steadied the ship enough, that there could be some optimism in this. And again, tax cuts won't come immediately, but that they can at least start talking about what the future might look like with a lower tax burden and perhaps a little more fiscal loosening and and all the rest of it. I mean, what really strikes me about the IMF report is like, as I said, you know, talking about the UK having a contraction, this is not new news. It's not a new prediction. It's just how abysmal growth looks across the world. I mean, you look at the forecasts for those major economies and France, Italy, and Germany are expected to have growth of 1.5% just about between the three of them. I mean, this is abysmal stuff. These are the years that we're supposed to be recovering from COVID. Everything's supposed to be going gangbusters. And, it, you know, it's it's dreadful. And a lot of that's inflation. Of course, energy prices, the war in Ukraine are connected to that. But like many economies have not properly recovered from the lockdowns, the break in supply chains, um, the total upheaval of economic activity. And, you know, this is going to be a hard year in the UK with the cost of living still you know, just making life a lot harder. That is not unique to the UK. And again, I, I think it's I think it's just far too early to really say when we get to the end of the year, which country will be on the top and the bottom. Now, I wouldn't put money on the UK being on the top, but this idea that there is this huge gap between the UK and how other countries are doing, I don't think is borne out by the figures. And again, if these figures change even slightly, where these countries rank is going to change possibly quite dramatically. Kate, to invoke the spirit of James Forsyth here. Oh, hey, James, if you're listening. Where does that mean, do you think, the UK is on the ugly baby spectrum? Are, are we still... The, I mean, obviously, this graph suggests we are the ugliest it's baby. It's pretty ugly today. 
Yeah. Yeah. But you think we could get like mid market looks? Well, I, look, I think I think it depends on <laughs> what graph you're going to look at by the time we get to the middle of the year. I think when it comes to growth, it may still we may still be pretty ugly when it comes to inflation. I think you know the UK is hoping that it's going to look a lot better to other European countries. And look, I'm not making a prediction. I wouldn't dare try to compete with the. CBI, the IMF, all the other acronyms on this podcast. I'm just saying that, you know, so far, the limited evidence we have is that growth was slightly better at the end of last year than we expected. I think there's a lot of reason to be pessimistic, but there's also reasons to be slightly optimistic. And, you know, these numbers today are based on some outdated data that I just don't think capture the full picture. And Katie, onto the topic of strikes. MPs have just approved new powers to curb public sector strikes. What's been happening here? So this is the minimum service levels legislation that Rishi Sunak has brought in. Now, much of this was in the manifesto, um, but then it took a long time, clearly, since 2019 to get to this point. And of course, uh, the level of industrial action and the fact the government's under a lot of pressure and the fact it is ongoing. We keep hearing the talk of potential breakthroughs in pay disputes, but not really any evidence that they are imminent. Um, means that the government needed to almost take, I think, a carrot and stick approach. The stick is the minimum service levels. The carrot is, can you uh, find some way to come to an agreement with the nurses um, yet to be done, which does involve pay, but not pay, which um, would lead to higher taxes or new funds. And and that is still a a moving matter. But I think what's interesting is, so this bill went through pretty quickly. It was introduced earlier this month, and it's now passed by 315 votes to 246. And it will now move to the House of Lords, where it is likely to face further scrutiny and and further questions. And you did see some Tory MPs be quite critical of it. So, for example, you know, Jacob Rees-Mogg raised some concerns of it, saying it was badly written, the bill, and, and vague. But we often talk about on this podcast about how disunited the Tory party is and, you know, effectively this idea, I, I think people will probably repeat the lines, you know, majority of 80 isn't what it seems. Well, it's not even a majority of 80 now. It's now in the 60s. But I think this is a point that there are still things that the party can unite around. So while we focus on lots of the rebellions or the changes to legislation, so the online safety bill recently had changes, something I discussed with Miriam Cates, who'll be on Women Balls this Friday. And also anything on planning seems to just obviously bring those two tribes. There are some areas where I think um, it can almost have like a unifying impact. And speaking to MPs last week, now, Last week clearly went wrong for Rishi Sunak um, in the same sense the deems a Harry Rao and then I think the week before you had the levelling up funds. But before that spell, as I was saying, actually this legislation going through had actually made them you know, feel a bit more they had a purpose. And I think when there's so much, when you look at the polls and the Tories are so far back, having an agenda which the whole party can agree on is really important. The problem is there's just not that much they can agree on. But I think one thing to look out for is something I wrote in the magazine earlier this month, which is, could immigration be the next thing? Because we know that they're planning um, more legislation on this. Um, Some of that is stop the boats. Some of it is just more widely toughening up the purpose. And I think that's seen as something which, like the strike legislation, you, you can unite the Tory party more around, but also probably unlike the strike legislation is something you can potentially divide Labour on and I think that's one to watch in the next week or two. Thank you Katie, thank you Kate and thanks for listening.